Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and Game Sense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. Finding the right news podcast can feel like dating. It seems promising until you start listening. When you hit play on Post Reports, you'll get fascinating conversations and sometimes a little fun, too. I'm Martine Powers. And I'm Elahe Azadi. Martine and I are the hosts of Post Reports. The show comes out every weekday from The Washington Post. You can follow and listen to Post Reports wherever you get your podcasts. It'll be a match, I promise. The journey to a smoke-free future can be a long and winding road. But if you're ready for a change, consider taking Zinn for a spin. Zinn Nicotine Pouches offer a fresh way to discover your nicotine satisfaction. Anywhere, anytime. No smoke, no spit, and no lingering odor. Get in gear with the Zinn 10 Challenge and enjoy 10 smoke-free, spit-free days for just $5.95. Order online and start your new journey today. Warning, this product contains nicotine. Nicotine is an addictive chemical. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. The after after parties at SNL. Well, I've been lucky enough to go to a few. Yeah. And I, I think it was probably good that I, I never, never was a cast member on that show. I don't know that I could have done 20 of them a year. Just the stamina wise. Way. I mean, yeah. you definitely like when you start out, you want to go to as many as you can possibly can. And then you kind of grow out of them quickly. I, by the time I got there, I don't think Bill Hader even went to like the first after party. And I was like, <laughs> what? You're crazy, man. This is the best job ever. We're never going to die. And then like halfway through season two, Bill was right. (laughs) Bill was right. Hi, I am Taryn Killam, and I am so excited to talk to my brand new friend, Brian, all about me. Well, hello there, everybody, and welcome back to Off the Beat. I'm your host, Brian Baumgartner. My guest today, well, you just heard Taryn Killam, an actor who has lived many, many lives. If you consider yourself a film buff, you'll probably recognize him from 12 Years a Slave. If you were a Disney or a Nickelodeon kid, you might remember when he was still just a teenage heartthrob. 
you might recognize him from on stage in Hamilton as King George III. Or if you're big into comedy, you will know him for sure from his time on SNL or his new Amazon show, The NFL Pylon. What can this guy not do? Okay. He can sing. He can act. He can rap. Yes, this is true. He's rapped with many people, including both Snoop Dogg and Rob Riggle. And uh, on top of that, he is a master impersonator, which actually helped him get one of his first big breaks. So, yeah, it's safe to say. Taron, well, he is skilled at the art of entertaining. And that's exactly what he's come here to do today. Well, that and talk about the off-the-beat moments in his life, of course. With all that said, I am very excited to bring on, well, the great and powerful Taron Killam. Bubble and squeak, I love it. Bubble and squeak, I know. Bubble and squeak, I cook it every morning left over from the night before. What's up, Taryn? Hey, Brian. How are you, buddy? I'm good. How are you? Good, good. I am in a, a hotel room in Atlanta, Georgia. So not the ideal, uh, not the ideal lighting situation, at least. But. Understood. I, I didn't. It was either going to be hotel room in Atlanta or like leftover Halloween mood lighting. <laughs> yes. Speaking of which, I do have to comment on the art behind me. Yes. Is it, is it an open pomegranate that I'm looking at? It is. Congratulations. Yeah. I'm a bit of a a pomegranate-holic. Yeah. I don't, it seems weirdly disturbing to me. I'll be honest with you. Yeah. Yeah. There it's a, it's a gruesome, the, the amount of magnification upon (laughs) said pomegranate is too intense it is i've i have named the piece of art gruesome fruit so <laughs> there you go by the way not a terrible title to, for a horror movie no it's not start writing brian uh, copyright me um <laughs> i think that's all i have to do right <laughs> that's, uh, it. that's that's how the guilds work that is how are you doing i'm very well thank you yeah my, my wife and i were actually for the first time you heard about the pandemic yeah, I've heard okay. about it. So for the first time since the <laughs> pandemic, um, my wife and I were invited to like, you know, grown up Halloween parties without our kids. Okay. And we went to two over the weekend and w- we've aged out. <laughs> we showed up. <laughs> we showed up. We got a drink. We like made a beeline for people we knew. We said hi and then literally did not know what to do with ourselves. We're like, I, I miss home. Yeah. <laughs> Now I have to ask you a question. Did you dress up? We did. We did. I was you sort did. of like, uh, uh, we both kind of went classic. She was like a vampress and I was a wolf man. All right. I mean, that's Sorry. a, that's a D Nothing on originality. Clever. I will say my daughter's friends came over to hang, uh, like Friday night to do a little like early Halloween party. And one of her friends showed up in an FBI jacket with a, with a, uh, warrant to search Mar-a-Lago. This is it? <laughs> This is a 13-year-old child who is hipper, funnier, more clever than any costume I have yes. ever or will ever wear. 
Well, you, I mean, obviously we're going to talk about your career and your variety of elaborate costumes you've had Lots over the years. Lots of dress up. Yeah. Lots of dress up. See, that's my thing. I don't dress up. Yeah. I feel like I dress up. I fulfill that itch at other times. And when it comes to Halloween, no, it's just me. And other times you just mean like within your career, there's, yeah. there's enough dress up. That there's enough dress up. To, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, yeah. I did, I was in, I did put on makeup and get my hair done yesterday on Halloween and I, I wasn't going to go home and, and do it different. Yeah. You know, do you know what I'm yeah. saying? You did do it. You did. You got, yeah. You got your voucher. Yeah. Um. All right. I want to go back. You're a California boy. Yes, sir. Your parent, this is fascinating to me. Your parents both dabbled in the entertainment industry. Your mom, singer, songwriter with the Charlie Daniels band. Question, how many times have you heard Devil Went Down to Georgia? I mean, even just recently, many times, because I feel like that's on a lot of Halloween playlists. Oh, yeah. A lot of times. A lot of times. She toured as a as a background singer yeah. um, for Charlie Daniels uh, two or three summers before I was born, something like okay. that. So I am from Georgia. So I okay. feel like that song is like, a, I don't know, it's one of those things when you're young, you're like, they said Georgia. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was Charlie Daniels and like Ray Charles, right? That's right. That's exactly. Yeah. Um, your dad, part of a theater group. How how much do you think their influence or you know their participation in the arts and performing that influenced you as a kid? Uh, massively, massively. They were like we we attended uh, Manhattan Beach Community Church, you know, in the first decade of my life, um, and they would do the sort of community church plays there. Okay. So, you know, I was in theaters, I was watching rehearsals. I was surrounded by the idea of like putting on a show before I could even kind of uh, conceive of it or, or, anal you know, self-analyze what that meant and what that, what that required. And then my mother took me and my, my two younger siblings to a commercial agent because okay. she thought we were cute and precocious enough that maybe that would be a thing we would do well at. And and of the three of us, I think I was the only one that was willing to go into a room full of strangers and be like, hi, I, you know, I'll, I'll talk about milkshakes. <laughs> um, so, so absolutely. I mean, it, incredibly influential and encouraging, you know, that, that was, it, it was like unconditional support before I was really even asking for it. Um, but it wasn't until like middle school for me and like getting involved in theater drama with my peers, with my own group, where it became a, sort of a self-passion where I was like, oh, no, I, I do like this and I I can excel at this, too. But I'm I also enjoy the process. And to me, I, I'm sure you agree, just if you enjoy doing it, the end results don't become as um, precious, you know. Right. So it started out, it sounds like, as, I don't know, hobby, maybe the, the wrong word, but like an activity. I right? think that's fair. Yeah. It was like yeah. recreational uh, pastime. Yeah, absolutely. And and just always around, like, you know, I was, I was in productions at the church from the age of four or five because right. um, it was fun to go hang out with kids. And, and I think my parents having five children needed <laughs> extracurriculars <laughs> to, to like, you know, find a moment to breathe. Um, 
so yeah, so it started that way. But in my own sort of history for myself in my heart, in my mind, it was around sixth or seventh grade when I really started going like, oh, I love this. You know, and maybe, maybe slightly earlier, just I remember seeing Tim Burton's Batman, the first Batman. Yes. In like 89 and going, I love the way that movie makes me feel. That movie makes me feel like things that I only thought were pretend before could be real. Right. And that's, I want to do that. That sounds awesome. Well, it sounds like right about this time, you were 12 years old. You made your first film appearance. Yes. Naked Gun, 33 and a third. The final insult. What do you remember about being cast on that? Now, was Um, this through this commercial agent, this... You know, I think we'd moved on from from the okay. first one, and then and then there like um, thing I was it was like Cunningham was the first commercial agency I was with, and then moved to a sort of more boutique agency off Sunset called uh, the Sanders Agency. Okay, and I think that that's who this was through. And yeah, it was just an audition, and you know you have to you have to get your vouchers, you have to become Taft Hartley before you can become SAG eligible. And Naked Gun is the thing, I think, is the job that got me Taft-Hartley, that, like, made me union eligible. Okay. And then doing a reenactor, reenaction moment in an Unsolved Mysteries episode got me my card. Okay. Wow. Yeah. But the Naked Gun was so exciting and fun. The, the director of that movie directed Tommy Boy. Like, his oh. next film was Tommy Boy. Oh. which is like a cool factoid for me. Had I but known, I would have been much more of a kiss-up. One of my favorite. Just Same. Straight Same. Comedy Still, we just time. showed it to our daughters, and it holds up, and they were <laughs> laughing throughout. You know, it's just, it's it's timeless. It's it's one of the best comedies ever, I think. But it was fun to, like, be on set, and my role was in a parody of Jurassic Park. So, like, they'd kind of recreated a Jurassic Park set, and that was cool. Right. And I had a stand-in who was, like, 12 years older than me, <laughs> like a full <laughs> adult man who just happened to be short enough to be my stand-in. And that right. was very exciting. And I was like, are we brothers now? Are we best friends? We ended up not being, unfortunately. Okay. He's, he ghosted me. <laughs> I mean, it's so, so interesting because you started so early started performing did you feel a specific affinity for comedy at this point or was it was it just about performing or finding whatever job you could get or you know yeah i i loved comedy i always as a as an audience member always skewed towards comedies you know the 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 works of jim carrey were incredibly influential to me and and inspiring but in terms of like what I could do, I definitely came at it, you know, in the first third of my life or, or career, just from trying to do as many different things as possible. You know, right. I really love musical theater. I really love drama. I love Shakespeare. I love I love a good mystery and thriller. And so the sort of goal or or career path into comedy was not decided until I was I was kind of in college. That's when that okay. Took over. Yeah, I mean, I saw some of your your earlier roles not decidedly not comedic. Judging Amy, touched by an angel. Yeah, Roswell. You start booking a, a number of pretty big shows at that time. 
was this difficult for you to continue to go to school? Were you schools? Were you set schooling? Were you it's a good question? It, and, and, and there was a moment in time where like kind of coming out, I went to a performing arts high school here in Los Angeles. Mm-hmm. And as I was finishing school, I was auditioning a lot more and I was getting these guest roles and doing well, but then was accepted to UCLA for musical theater and the agency I was with actually disbanded. Like they closed shop. They just sort of shut down. And I was like, that's great. I'm just going to focus on school. I'll, I'll, I'm going to be a college student. I'm going to be here for four years. I'll train and then hopefully pick things back up once once I graduate. But a show I'd done on Nickelodeon, The Amanda Show, yes, called back uh, halfway through my freshman year at college. And they're like, uh, we want to do more episodes with you, which was very flattering, very exciting. Um, and I said, well, I, I don't have an agent. I've sort of stopped. I'm just kind of going to school. And the producers were like, we'll help you get all that. And they did. <laughs> they're like, they got me an agent. They got me, they got me <laughs> a manager, which I'd never had before. Okay. Um, so that sort of like relaunched it. And then by the end of that freshman year, sort of as a fluke i'd gotten i i was allowed to audition for mad tv the sketch show that was on fox yes and got it it, it it's still funny that <laughs> that happened to me because i had not taken an improv sketch stand-up class like i had no training um but just was loud and obnoxious and a good mimic i think right. you know <laughs> right um and and yeah so that that is when i became like comedian Taryn Killam. Okay. So I, I gotta I gotta ask you about that. So for first off, isn't it crazy? My manager and I, we still have a joke about this, right? That all if you're if you're having trouble getting a job, all you need to do is book a vacation, right? Yes. Like book yes. something Always. that is likely non-refundable. Yes. Um or you have exactly. or you have dozens of people counting on you, you know, yeah. plan a wedding, you're gonna get a job. Um, so that, that's fascinating to me where you consciously say, I'm going to take a little break. I'm going to go to UCLA. I'm going to train. And then everything starts hitting for you. Now I, I read here that first off the Amanda show, you almost missed your graduation. Yeah. Yeah, I did. Technically I was, I did, I wasn't allowed to walk because, I had to miss the rehearsal. Like I booked that job initially and it was very exciting. And the shoot dates overlapped with the graduation rehearsal. LOXA, which is the name of my high school. At that time, graduation took place at the Dorothy Chandler Pavilion, which is where the Oscars used to happen before they built the Dolby place, which is really cool, really fancy, nice, nice honor. But the school was saying that it was the theater's policy that you had to be present for the rehearsal. And if you weren't there for the rehearsal, you were not allowed to walk on the stage. And I was like, oh, shoot. So I went to I said to the Amanda show, I was like, I I can't do this job. I'm sorry. I'm going to miss out on my graduation. And they were so they said, we'll do everything we can to make sure you're there for the show to do, you know, we can, we'll show you the dates ahead of time and if they can reschedule and they were so accommodating and the high school for which I was being trained to be a professional actor was not <laughs> that I eventually, I was like, you know, I'm going to, they're, they're paying me money. <laughs> what right. So what <laughs> right. happened was true to their word, the producers um, shot me out early the day of my graduation, 
sent me in a limousine to downtown LA to the Dorothy Chandler, but then I had to sit in the audience for my high school graduation and wow. watch all my classmates walk. So yeah. Stupid. Was, yeah, you know. <laughs> so stupid. It all it all worked out. All right. You and this guy by the name of Keenan Thompson, I hear had the same manager, mad TV calls for Keenan. You get pitched. You did 23 impressions during yes. your audition. I mean, you have 23 people at this point that you can do. <laughs> yeah, it's again, the mimicry thing, like, you know, my party trick was to have were good seen at whatever movie was in theaters and then come back and kind of recreate it, satirize it. So at that point, like the WB network was a huge thing. So all the Dawson's Creek people, all the okay. Buffy the Vampire Slayer people, Cruel Intentions, your Varsity Blues, like... That was sort of my wheelhouse and knowing, you know, if Mad TV was going to hire a 19 year old kid, they'd probably want to capitalize on on, on a more youth oriented point of view. It was those with then, you know, you'd throw in a Bono from U2 or um, at that point, Jimmy Fallon, like I did a Fallon for them. But yeah, I, for my like official audition. <laughs> it's uh, it's so kind of like uh, juvenile but charming upon reflection but i like made cards i made i like did craft cards with like name titles as if you know there was a lower third on the screen but i was gonna right. be in an office so i made 23 different cards and i wore them around my neck and i would just take one off and then do the impression and take one off and do the impression and really? so like it and it and it helped it it did help it i think because it required me to do less work <laughs> but <laughs> the best part always like even then i was so embarrassed because the audition ends and then i got to take a solid 30 to 45 <laughs> seconds to collect all these paper cards that, like these <laughs> These eight by eleven pieces of paper that have scattered all over the floor of this of this office at at Fox Studios. Um, but yeah, but it worked. It worked. It was it was a very very fortunate, lucky thing, and and an incredible learning experience for me. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you you don't win your first bet. That's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and Game Sense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. Hey, this is Christina Quinn. I'm the host of Try This, the Washington Post's new series of audio courses. The idea behind Try This is to become better functioning humans without having to comb the internet for countless hours. In our first course, we learned how to sleep better. Now, we're going to learn how to make our friendships stronger. I'll offer expert tips that are doable, and I'll keep it short. So let's do this. Classes in session. Find Try This from the Washington Post wherever you listen.
The journey to a smoke-free future can be a long and winding road. But if you're ready for a change, consider taking Zen for a spin. Zen nicotine pouches offer a fresh way to discover your nicotine satisfaction. Anywhere, anytime. No smoke, no spit, and no lingering odor. Ready to start your new journey? Get in gear with the Zen 10 Challenge. Enjoy Zen nicotine pouches for 10 days and discover a fresher way to experience nicotine satisfaction. Anywhere, anytime. Here's how to get started with the Zen 10 Challenge. Simply pick your strength and varieties online and check out. Once your Zen nicotine pouches arrive in the mail, enjoy pure nicotine satisfaction at your leisure. After your 10-day trial, let us know what you think. If Zen isn't for you, no hard feelings. It's that simple. Order online at Zen.com. That's Z-Y-N.com to start your new journey today with the Zen 10 Challenge. Warning, this product contains nicotine. Nicotine is an addictive chemical. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. I talked to Kevin Pollack who is actually an amazing impressionist. Yes. I mean, his walking is phenomenal. His walking is really good. He said, he also says like he helped Dana come up with his George Herbert Walker Bush. Yes. He's fun. Yeah. Kevin was at one of those Halloween parties I was at. Okay. He talked to me about just finding that one hook. Mm -hmm. Is that how you operate as well? Are you looking for one characteristic or speech pattern or what are you doing? Sometimes, yeah. Sometimes a physical affectation helps it. You know what I mean? Like a mouth shape or eye eye squinting, you know, like um, it usually starts outward in for me. For you. Okay. Or... If there is a melody to it, if there is a, a sound or or a certain uh, rhythm of speech, that's that's another way in for me. Like when when I started doing Brad Pitt again, it was that thing where I'd seen the movies and then just quoting it with friends, people people enjoying going like, "Oh my god, yeah, you sound like him." Um, with <laughs> with no jokes at that point, but. Um, like for Brad Pitt, I really, really loved and still love Seven. Okay. And there's a there's a speech he does with Morgan Freeman at the bar, and he goes, "Yeah, you know what? Um, I don't think you're quitting because you believe that. I think you want to believe that because you're quitting. You want me to agree with you and say, yeah, 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 it's it's fucked, it's all fucked up. We should all live in fucking log cabins. But I don't agree with you. I do not. Thanks for the drink." And just like the rhythm of the butter, 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 like, and then 12 monkeys, he's much more frenetic in that he's much more physical and he does always touch his face. He's always kind of licking his lips yeah. and keeping his lips moist. And there's a little like bounce, you know, a little shake to the head, a little like, I can't even, I don't even have the energy to be this cool. <laughs> and then in 12 monkeys, he does a lot of that. You get out of my jam. Yeah. There's like a lot of these like onomatopoeia sounds. So I started just buttoning like, hello, 
Great to meet you. Very happy to meet you. <laughs> and that's that's just sort of how that how that one in in particular developed and and it just always brought me great joy because he's just undeniably the most handsome, cool, most unique performers in terms of the types of roles he chooses, but at the same time, he has a very um limited vocal range. He always sounds right. like himself, you know what I yes. mean? He's not like a Tom Hardy who's always going to make some big vocal swing. Right. Brad always sounds like Brad. Brad. Right. Right. See, that's genius. I love that. I also <laughs> love that for you, physicality is so important for you. For me, in terms of creating a character, I always said that is equally as, as important how the character moves, how how they hold their body where their holds are lets you know so much yeah like i find it i don't get as self-critical when i start with the physical right Mm. like bad example someone who walks with a limp you know what i mean you can feel you're feeling it it's very real it's very tangible as opposed to journaling from the point of view of somebody or you know all these internal exercises people do if i start there it feels false to me like it like i i i can get in my head i'm like what am i why am i writing that what you know these things didn't happen this wasn't real i'm making this up but if you go in physical and you start to feel that then the thoughts behind it become a little bit more uh become validated in a way to me i just has i've always found that to be more helpful yeah a hundred percent yeah and and shoes are really important to me Interesting. Because different shoes, different types of shoes ground you to the ground in a different way and yes. literally creates different body postures, right? Yeah. Like, and this isn't a joke. I'm not even making a joke. Right now I'm wearing, I'm wearing cowboy boots. Yeah. I appear to be a different person when I am walking down the street in these shoes as my second favorite type of shoe, a flip-flop. You know, it's the dude in the big Lebowski versus put Jeff Bridges in boots and he immediately becomes somebody else, you know? Yeah. 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 So even if, you know, I try, it doesn't always happen. I'm not going to be totally high maintenance about it. But even like if I'm off camera or something and I'm trying to be there for somebody else, having the shoes is always important for me. Absolutely. That puts my body in a specific position. And the way that it affects others too. That's so, I mean, I've never thought of that, but it, it immediately makes sense to me because if you enter a room in cowboy boots, people hear you coming in a different way than yes. coming in in flip-flop. Like there's just, just yes. the sound that those two different kinds of shoes make affect like flip-flops is like, eh, who's this doof, you know? And cowboy <laughs> boots is like, oh, do I need to be on my guard? You know, right. Here comes exactly. something. The, here co- here's, comes the possibility of authority. Right. And that's that's the great dichotomy of me. I wear both. There you go. Sometimes the yeah. same day. It's crazy. I love that. I don't yeah. mind that one bit. Not to like dig in on feet stuff, but yeah. Okay. I now have inflamed plantar fasciitis. Yeah. Do we know I've this? I've had it. You Do we like, yeah, you've I had know. it? You know I it? Know. Yep. Oh boy. <laughs> I shot I shot a film in Europe this summer, came home with like a chronically sore foot. I was like, uh, I tore something, I ripped something. Yep. I I need surgery. I need to do it. And I go in to the podiatrist and he's like, Well, no, as you get older, and I didn't hear anything he said after that. <laughs> Are you over it now? 
it went away, but it it I've now had like two bouts of it. Like I, I was able yep. to kind of curb it Comes and it back. subsided and then I re-aggravated it. Yep. And apparently it has everything to do with being an old dummy. <laughs> yeah, kind of. But I will tell you this. I was shooting something for NFL Network and this has been, I don't know, six, seven, eight years and was there with two young NFL players at the time. And I was talking about foot things. I don't know why we weren't, it wasn't sexual. I promise. <laughs> and they said, well, you get pedicures, right? I was like, no, I don't get pedicures. They're like, why not? Literally you're walking around on those things every single day of your life. You got to take care of them. Wow. And I was like, you guys, <laughs> you guys get pedicures. And they were like, absolutely. I'm telling you, it's totally changed my life. Interesting. Not, not, may not I, joking. May I inquire about frequency? I mean, ideally, we're talking every month to six weeks. Okay. That's very reasonable. And I, you know, I play, everybody's tuning out now. I talk about this too much, but I play a lot of golf and I like okay. to walk and I play golf tournaments. And, you know, sometimes golf shoes are a little pointed at the end. It can cause, yeah. can cause issues. Since I started this, it is, it is night and day for me. Wow. And I'm talking about playing three, four, five times walking. I mean, you know, your feet are going to get, so, you know, tired or whatever. But yeah. the pain that I had before, it doesn't exist anymore. Phenomenal. All right. Yep. There That's you go. the gift you're giving me. That's, I love it. That is the gift I am giving you today. I'll take it. Um, now, back, back to Mad TV and the Groundlings. You start studying at the Groundlings. Yeah. So many of the people that I really loved working with at Mad... Okay. had come from there, had trained there. Michael Hitchcock in particular, Jennifer Joyce, Michael McDonald. And I'd obviously heard of the Groundlings and knew of it and actually even had a buddy from college do going through it, Mikey Day, who's now on Saturday Night Live. But because I did come in so inexperienced, but fell in love so deeply with the format of Sketch and the people who I looked up to almost consistently across the board happened to be groundling, you know, so kind of just for fun more than anything, I signed up for a class with my buddy Kyle and Nassim, who's also on SNL with me. Mm -hmm. And it was not uh, result oriented. It was more like, let's just experience what this is like and what we can learn from it. And thank goodness, because everything that has happened since I joined up with the Groundlings Theater is because of that, that establishment. Wow. Um, you're doing a show at the Groundlings and you get an opportunity to perform for Lorne Michaels. Now, did you know he was there? No. What happened was I was in the Sunday company, which is sort of yep. like the junior company. This is prestigious people. The Sunday company at the Groundlings. Yes. This it, is it. it. For my money, if, if you happen to be in Los Angeles and want to see good sketch comedy, for my money, the Sunday company show is the one most worth seeing because what you're doing is writing a brand new show every week. Um, so we were so we were doing the show, come back at intermission, and they written on the dry erase board. By the way, Lauren Michaels was in the audience tonight. And the dry erase board in a sketch comedy theater very frequently is used for stupid bits and not for any right. sincere messaging. So I kind of laughed it off. It wasn't like toward like later in the second half where people were like, no, he was. He left. He he was here, but he left. And I believe he had come to see Nassim in particular because she had put she'd done a one woman show. She put together a tape 
So he came and and that was, yeah, that was the first chance that I had to be seen by SNL. And then they flew four of us, Nassim, myself, Jillian Bell and Greg Roman out to audition like a, less than a month later. Was this another opportunity, another job for you, or did this hold a special significance for you at that time? I mean, I, my, my process with SNL was I had to audition twice that year, didn't get it, audition a third time a year later, and that's when I got the job. By the time I was working my way up in the Groundlings in the writing lab and advanced class, SNL had become like the dream goal, right? Like that. Okay. And, and, and I had confidence that if I ever had the opportunity to be seen, because there's a little bit of circumstance, right? It's like some, some of the most talented, funniest sketch performers in the world just didn't fall in a window where SNL needed people or needed that type right. or happened to be looking, whatever. There's, so much luck and circumstance in this industry, but I did know if I got seen and if I was able to audition, I would have a good shot. I just felt confident about that. And so the first audition was like validation of that. Like it was kind of a party. It was like me and three of my favorite people to perform with flying to New York, which was so exciting. Like I even paid for a limousine to like pick us up from the airport and drive us into Manhattan and I made a mix CD of all New York theme songs. Um, <laughs> and it, we just, it was a party. It was just like, I've been invited there to perform, you know, in this, inside this hallowed ground to me, this like this institution, this temple of comedy, if you will. So the first time was just fun and just about soak it all in. And no matter what, they saw you and they said that, yes, you're good enough to be considered, you know, and that was enough. And I, I truly, I, I was, had already made peace with that before I even auditioned. You know what I mean? It's, it's just like, great, great. That, that's, that's a thumbs up from a show that truly has shaped my sensibilities. They're going like, yeah, we like what you do. Good enough. Then I find out a couple weeks after my audition, they like you and they want to bring you back. And for whatever reason, that like just changed the molecular structure of it for me. Cause then it became like, oh, now it's mine to lose. Now they, they, <laughs> they said yes, but now they're, they're like on, on a razor's edge of whether or not to do it. So if I give everything I can, then, then it's, it's within my grasp. Um, right. But also I've got to give them five new minutes of material. And so it's all going to be the stuff I cut out of the first audition. Right. The, and the second one went fine ish. And they even said after it, like, it's not now, but it's not never. And he's on our radar. And I took that with a grain of salt. And then true to their word, a year later, they called out of the blue, really. They hadn't even seen me perform again. They just kind of called me up. And uh, and third time was a charm. What was your favorite character you created on SNL? Ooh. I, I mean, I really loved the French dance sketches we would do, which was like a really weird warped, like what is the CW for France <laughs> based off if you had to design what a teen show is in France based off of American stereotypes. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Those are like putting on a show. They were like a little different because they weren't like written joke sketches. They were performative physical pieces. So they're always so joyful to perform. Um, a character that I'd done at Groundlings, like, was this character Eddie who uh, we did it with Justin Bieber and like, he's this insecure older brother who's trying to intimidate his younger sister's boyfriend. Who's nothing but impressive. 
And the only thing he can hold on to is that the guy says, it's glad to meet you. Sorry, glad to meet you. Nice to meet you. And he won't let up about that. <laughs> just, <laughs> just the pettiness of that. Um, and then and then I loved the Maryville Brothers that we did, which was kind of like based off of a physical thing I'd done at Groundlings, but we kind of created its own structure, Rob Klein and Ken Sublett. And I did like w- these possessed animatronic creatures <laughs> that like if you go to like, you know, a state fair carnival, the poor manufacturing is horrifying in itself. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> even if it's the sweetest little, like, you know, like, hey, come to Lollipop Land, it's somehow more terrifying than if it was like a killer clown. <laughs> Your favorite impression or person you impersonated? Coming onto the show, I was, I, w- I was always proud of my Brad Pitt, but like you put yeah. something on a national stage <laughs> and it's a very good indicator of how subjective something is. <laughs> like, right. like I love it and there are groups of people who love it, but it was not like widely received. <laughs> um, but one that I kind of like developed on the show was Christoph Waltz was always really, really fun to do so and good. just such a great character in him in and of himself and he hosted while i was there and then i got to do him for celebrity jeopardy at the 40th anniversary and that was that was really cool that was genius thanks dude you got to meet so many incredible people who hosted who surprised you the most with how funny they were it was always the like former kid performers like anybody who came from like multi-cam disney show or nickelodeon show who then most likely transitioned into music. So I'm thinking like Timberlake or Miley Cyrus or Drake even. Drake had done Degrassi Junior High right. before becoming Drake as we know him now. But they just have it built into their DNA, like how to perform for a crowd, how to cheat out, how to play to the fourth wall, how to do, you know, right. the, the timing of a joke. So they were always the most fun just because you could tell that they got it, you know, right away. And they made things better. You didn't have to write around them. You right. could write something for you to do together and know together. that they would pull it off or make it even better. I also hear Drake hosted a, a big after party. Yeah, because he's hosted a few times. I think he even hosted once after I was on the show, maybe. But the one I think you're talking about is he rented out the Dave and Busters in Times Square. Okay. And free drinks and everybody got like a cup full of tokens to play games. But he also flew in... I guess a bunch of dancers from a strip club that he's like a co-owner of in Toronto. (laughs) So there was a very strong divide (laughs) of attendees at that after, after this isn't the after party. This is the after, after. So this is getting going at like 3 AM. Yes. And it's like (laughs) half of the Dave and Busters is filled with like comedy performer writers who are actually playing the games and half are just like very attractive stripper girls who are just doing everything they can to position themselves close to Drake who's standing (laughs) with his buddy at the DJ booth. So it's just like, it was just really great kind of like dichotomy of, of, uh, people with different goals. Yeah. The after, after parties at SNL. Well, I've been lucky enough to go to a few. Yeah. I, I think it was probably good that I, I never, never was a cast member on that show. I don't know that I could have done. 20 of them a year. just to the stamina wise i mean yeah. you definitely like when you start out you want to go to as many as you can possibly can and then you kind of grow out of them quickly I, by the time i got there i don't think bill Hader even went to like the first after party and i was like <laughs> what you're crazy man 
This is the best job ever. We're never going to die. And then like halfway through season two, Bill was right. (laughs) Bill was right. So did you do, you've done like after afters, like you've done the whole shebang? Oh no, I've done it. Yeah. Where, I've done where, it. Do, and, do you remember what locations they were? Because it changes the gosh. after after, especially. Well, the after after, yeah, I will never be able and probably shouldn't pull the name of that, but very dark bar. Very dark. And I'm sure yes. that's all intentional. One of them was it was a season finale. So I think it was like there in Rockefeller Center was the after, and then yes. There was somewhere else. And here's the thing you have to understand. You don't leave the show until after midnight. Correct. And so yeah, then one, you're like yeah. having dinner at 1.30 in the morning and <laughs> yeah, suddenly yeah. things get later. But it doesn't, it weirdly doesn't feel that way because it's the whole energy of it. And they, yes. it's always, it's like this dark, dark bar. And suddenly you're like, okay, it's time to go. And you open that door and it is bright it is bright <laughs> yeah bright on the streets yeah. of new york and everyone is moving fast it's uh yeah, yeah it's a it's a thing like it's what thing. what other job ever is it like that and that's yeah. that's a weekly occurrence too <laughs> i know what... yeah i know i know it's it's insane Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and Game Sense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. The best conversations I have with my colleagues are the ones that happen when no one is looking, when we're not 100% sure yet what to write. Hopefully, having conversations like this can help you figure out your own point of view. That's kind of our job as Washington Post opinions columnists. I'm Charles Lane, Deputy Opinion Editor. And I'm Amanda Ripley, a contributing columnist. We're going to bring you into these conversations on a new podcast called Impromptu. Follow Impromptu now, wherever you listen. If you're a smoker or dipper looking to make a change, you really only need one reason to do it. But with Zen nicotine pouches, you can find many. Not only did Zen create the first ever nicotine pouch, we're still America's number one choice for smoke-free, spit-free nicotine satisfaction. It could be because Zen is made with only six simple ingredients, including naturally derived nicotine salt. Or maybe it's because Zinn is the only nicotine pouch with a 10-day trial. For anyone worried Zinn won't cut it like traditional tobacco, just ask one of the millions of people who have achieved lasting change. You have lots of options when it comes to nicotine satisfaction, but there's only one Zinn. Find your Zinn online or in a store near you at zinn.com find. 
That's ZYN.com slash find. Warning, this product contains nicotine. Nicotine is an addictive chemical. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Around the time you were leaving SNL, you took on another, uh, just uh, such an exciting project, writer, director, star, killing Gunther with Arnold Schwarzenegger. How did Arnold get, become part of this project? Again, just, just sort of random circumstance. Um, uh-huh. Like it, it, we just overshot the mark. Like that film was conceived and, and always intended to be like, a scrappy production. Let's put on a show. You'll put on a show. And the benefit of SNL is, is that it's such a respected place. People will listen to you. And, and, and I was not <laughs> used to that in any of my previous jobs. So I, in the script, in its original form, there was always going to be this cameo at the end of the movie. And I was like, Oh, who would be fun to like, casually get a name like could you imagine if we got jeff goldblum like how cool would that be and i we sort of went down the list and bruce willis had hosted and i'd had a really good week a good experience with him so we reached out he took a while to consider it and then ultimately passed but his reps were also arnold's reps and they're like you know arnold hasn't been doing a ton of acting and he says he's ready to kind of get back into it. And he loves doing comedy. And he thinks that this plays to his strength. I mean, like, they're selling me on Arnold Schwarzenegger. <laughs> like, uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. Huh, let me think about it. Um, so, yeah, so he read it and said yes. And him coming on board was, like, the biggest, most exciting thing ever. But I also, I know in hindsight now, like, was not prepared enough to pivot the project when you have the world's biggest action star agreeing to do your silly little scrappy hitman comedy. If I knew then what I know now, I definitely would have like used as him as in a much larger capacity, you know, not necessarily with more shooting days or whatever, but you want to build it around him. Cause I think, what I what I hear from the, the biggest criticism of it is like, we love Arnold, but we do have to wait an hour and 15 minutes before we see him. And I'm like, yep, that's fair. That's fair. With you. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Um, but he was the best. He was a pro, man. He was like the pro of all pros. And I don't just mean prepared, which he was such a pleasure to work with. The, the, the graciousness with every person he crossed paths with on the street in our, from our crew, from our cast, He's he is a movie star, capital M, capital S, and, and it was so so fun to work with him. How great is that to hear? I love to hear that. Yeah, you see it. You see the extra gear. Like that's what it was for me. Is that it was it was a master class in like complete authenticity. That was the other thing. Like it never felt contrived. It never felt forced. And he was very good at also setting boundaries and limits and like, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, good to see you. Goodbye. Like he just clearly had been in 
a thousand bajillion uh, interactions and had really honed how to be a man of the people, you know, obviously also through his political career. Right. But yeah, but just a pro and just loving the process again. Like if you just love the process of hanging out with a group and collaborating and being artistic, all the, all the, the money for status, fame stuff ultimately becomes less important because you're already so fulfilled in, in just the craft of creating. And, and he had that. He was awesome. Well, you have this experience, you direct, Killing Gunther, you then now I'm I'm really gonna fanboy here for a second, and also <laughs> I think that one of the greatest comedic, powerful characters on the stage over the last twenty five years is King George the Third in Hamilton, which you have the opportunity to go and play on Broadway. I cannot tell you how much I love that role. I love it so much. Talk to me about that. Like, what was it like for you after all of this time on SNL to kind of go back to those theater roots and play a part that, quite frankly, has a really low lift job night to night, yet consistently steals the show? Yeah. Uh, I mean, there certainly was symmetry to it of like, I, I achieved this dream goal. You know, I can't believe how fortunate I am. And then found my way back to musical theater and not just any musical theater, but the most popular, beloved musical theater production, certainly of the last 20 years, but but arguably in history, <laughs> like that Longer, show is, yeah. is just a masterpiece in my humble opinion. It, it was certainly surreal. I suddenly, um, I hadn't felt that level of nervousness because it was such a beloved piece because the reputation of this show was bigger than any part in it. Any person like, you know, uh, my daughter's at school and there's six and seven year old kids with like a dot ham hats and a dot burr. Right. Um, it just, it just, penetrated culture in a way that few things have on that level. And you were constantly surrounded by reminders of that. So jumping into this well, well-oiled machine, I put a lot of pressure on myself to, to kind of, you know, step up and match the caliber of, of quality that Hamilton deserves and, and worked really hard at that and eventually was able to settle into the joy of doing eight shows a week and, and that you go, okay, and you get more confident and you can try new things and you discover new moments that, oh, that's good. And that always gets a laugh and you discover a thing where you go like, nah, that's off game. We tried that once and we'll never go back to it. Um, <laughs> yeah. I loved it. I loved it. And, you know, I did the show for three months which was like a really healthy, very short period of time comparatively, because sort of like the minimum run anyone does in a Broadway show is about six months. So, but it was just it was just rewarding on a daily basis to work with such a talented group of people in such new ways. You know what I mean? These incredible dancers, these incredible musicians, the the designers, the directors, the everybody, and then to create an experience eight times a week for 1300 people each show never lost its um it, it was always emotional quite honestly like it, you, you'd finish the show and you'd feel emotional it never felt 
like a grind or it never felt Mm -hmm. not special. Each performance, there was always something happening either in the audience or on stage with, with, with the cast that just made, made it so special. And that will forever be like, what's your favorite job you've ever had? It's hard not to think of that one first. You know, I don't know Lynn Manuel Miranda, and I certainly don't mean any disrespect about this. This may, this may be the craziest theory in the history of, of anything. Here's my theory. Okay. When I was a kid, Dorothy in the Wizard of Oz, the Scarecrow, the Ten Man, these were all, I, I had zero interest in these characters. <laughs> I had zero interest. And by the way, there, they maintain most of the screen time of the Wizard of Oz. Spoiler alert for those of you who haven't seen the Wizard of Oz. <laughs> Brian, no! The Wicked Witch, to me, is the greatest role. But more than that, I, I want to talk Disney. These early Disney movies, The Little Mermaid, Ursula, the sea witch to me is hilarious. And these were the, always the parts that were fascinating to me, like the evil villain roles, because, you know, to me, comedy always brings a complexity. That's my problem with so much like straight drama, if you will, Mm -hmm. is just like, wait a second. Like people do make jokes occasionally or like use sarcasm or whatever. I love that. And I see that role in that history. I, there's no question here. By the way, I'm just telling you, this is a theory that I have. No, I think you're right on the money. It's it, there's a, there's an archetype there. And, you know, Pontius Pilate from Jesus Christ Superstar was always something that I referenced. But Little Mermaid and Beauty and the Beast and Aladdin. This is yeah, Howard Ashman and Alan Menken seem to really um, understand the necessity of exactly what you're saying of 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 brevity within darkness right of of humor yes. within the shadow that exists in all of us and little shop of horrors has that in in the dentist the dentist yes totally yeah so yeah no i i think you're absolutely right i mean yeah that ursula song is so phenomenal because it's really your first intro to her, to that character. This is not a character, as you you know, you pointed out with the Wicked Witch of the West. You don't spend as much time with that character. But by the end of Poor Unfortunate Souls, you know everything and want more <laughs> right. from this character from her. You know, yes, yeah. Well, anyway, I, I love that you said that will always uh, be the favorite role you ever played. Um, yeah. But out of that, your first time headlining a sitcom, Single Parents, Leighton Meester, Brad Garrett. What was it like for you after spending so much time creating new shows and new characters week after week, Mad TV, SNL specifically? Was there a difference for you in terms of exploring that singular character week after week? Absolutely. Yeah. The the consistency of it. And as opposed to starting from scratch right. every week, you kind of got to create a collage, you know, and you kept adding pieces and you kept discovering new things about this character from the performance standpoint. I mean, I God, I love that job so much because we all just really liked each other off camera too, which is I, I'm, important. I'm, hopefully you've been, yeah, it, it, it's a shame that it needs to be said that that's special, but it is, you know, um, <laughs> We really, it was really a great group. And I just love the premise when, when Liz Merriweather pitched me the idea originally, she's like a group of single parents figure. I'm like, I can't believe that hasn't been a world explored in a show yet. Cause I think that there's no more 
admirable plight than a than a single parent you know trying to work and trying to raise and the balance of that is it's hard enough with two parents you know and yeah and just really really enjoyed it and and your i mean your question kind of hit the nail on the head it was definitely a different sensation to like oh i'm playing this guy all the time I found it very comfortable. I found like I really enjoyed it and I found there there's such an endearingness to a network sitcom where you know what they're trying to appeal to sort of the broadest audience possible. But I yeah, I loved it. I and and it was also like moving back to Los Angeles, new city, trying to get settled. That job really held me. It's like the consistency of it and the stability of it was such a beautiful gift for me and for my family. And I would have done it if they'd let us do it more of it. I would have done it for forever. Yeah. Uh, you a sports fan? I'm a very big football fan. Okay. Um, that's my new my new job. Is no, I, I know. I'm, you, you just you let me transition. All right. Okay, just, well, you yeah, opened it up as an open-ended question. I'm, this is not Jay Leno. This is me. This is, this is me. So Los I Angeles. Sports. I grew up playing sports. Los Angeles. What's the deal with? I hear you've been in Los Angeles. So Los what Angeles, like? but <laughs> primarily football. That's your. Um, yeah. I grew up playing baseball and soccer, mostly like for, you know, a, a, a solid decade. Um, always really enjoyed the culture surrounding football, the gathering on Sundays, the Super Bowl parties, the rooting for your team. Um, I just was always drawn to that and surrounded by that. But being from L.A., did not have a team of my own to identify with for, for most of my life. So <laughs> yes. always promised that when we got a team back, which I was confident we would, that I was going all in from the new ground <laughs> ground floor. Well, you so know, which the same, one? The, the, the St. Louis Rams were, you know, obviously a huge part of the franchise history and then Los Angeles before that. But um, I've been I've been all in since they returned in 2015, 2016. You can't watch football now without seeing this guy talking about his new show, the NFL Pylon. It's a a brilliant idea. I have worked in the world of sports as well. And here's the thing that I find so amazing is how engaging, fun, personable, funny, talented so many of the players are um have you had any opportunities to to meet players that have surprised you thus far or have been some of your favorites that maybe you didn't know before from working on the 100%. show 100 percent. we've had some people initially we had like more casual players turned commentators um rich orenberger yeah. um um uh jared quay campbell Calais's uh, younger brother who did actually you know he played on a practice team professionally um, but then we got Demarcus Ware, which was fantastic and intimidating. And what's this going to be? <laughs> and he set the precedent of, as you said in your setup, like there's so much charisma, <laughs> and there's yeah. so there's there's so many other uh, uh, facets to the to these professional uh, athletes who you think they're driven, you think they're jocks and singular focus and win win win, but. I think more often than not, they need to have a flip side to that, right? Like yeah. they because they're so driven in their athletic career, they they want to laugh and make fun of themselves and a football more than anybody. 
Um, and Demarcus was phenomenal, and he he did Demarcus's Remarcuses was the segment we wrote for him, and he was just a huge Anglio Anglophile and very excited that that he loves he loves England first and foremost and football second, and it was, it was really funny. And then we had Ricky Williams come on, and he killed it he was amazing and then people we've had sherman richard sherman's done stuff for us andrew yeah. whitworth we had jimmy johnson coat you know so we have found in our very new eight episodes of this nfl produced comedy show that particularly athletes and coaches are very excited to participate in something ridiculous because everything else is so laser focused and buttoned up so it's uh it's cool to be that outlet for them. It's it's genius too because look, the NFL if they're not taking over the world, they're taking over live television for sure. And you know, nobody watches anything, sports included, uh like they watch the NFL. And so uh, you know, I've been saying forever, giving alternative programming that's fun uh that focuses still on the key storylines and people of the NFL that people eat it up. I'm so happy for your success on that. I Thanks, is dude. really, really fun and just keep, keep killing it. Keep entertaining football fans. But the, here's the thing. You don't even have to be a football fan to enjoy you and that. Yeah. I mean, you know, that that's the weird juxtaposition of my interests, right? <laughs> like, right. I am a, I'm a legitimate football fan. That's, that's why prime reached out to me just cause I'm, if you happen to follow me on social media, it's pretty much the most dominant topic <laughs> in my Instagram feed <laughs> is my passion for the Rams. So they knew that there was a legitimacy to my interests and my love and knowledge of football, but listen, spoiler alert, uh, exclusive, we're opening up with a Sweeney Todd bit this week. So <laughs> I guarantee you there's no other football focused show on television or in the streaming universe that is do that is mixing Sondheim with the NFL. Yes. That is that is amazing. Taryn, thank you so much for taking the time you, and coming to talk to us. Your career is fascinating. You are hilarious. I hate you for playing that role i there's so there's so much here but i will continue to enjoy you and watch uh both the nfl and you thank you on buddy. the nfl pylon thank you so much the enjoyment is is mutual and i i so appreciate you having me and, and making this time awesome thanks taryn thanks brian take care Aaron, thank you so much for stopping by. Awesome to get to know you just a little bit better. And I cannot wait until December 19th when the Packers beat the Rams again. Listeners, I hope you enjoyed today's episode. And if you're wondering where I'll be next Tuesday, the answer is, well, here, of course. And who will be joining me? Well, let's just say... They're a master of all things mathematical and savage. I'll see you then. Off the Beat 
is hosted and executive produced by me, Brian Baumgartner, alongside our executive producer, Ling Lee. Our senior producer is Diego Tapia. Our producers are Liz Hayes, Hannah Harris, and Emily Carr. Our talent producer is Ryan, Papa Zachary, and our intern is Sammy Katz. Our theme song, Bubble and Squeak, performed by the one and only Creed Bratton. If you're a smoker or dipper looking to make a change, you really only need one reason to do it. But with Zen Nicotine Pouches, you can find many. Zen is America's number one nicotine pouch. It's made with only six simple ingredients. Plus, Zen is the only nicotine pouch with a 10-day hassle-free trial. There are lots of options when it comes to nicotine satisfaction, but there's only one Zen. Find your Zen online or in a store near you at zen.com find. Warning, this product contains nicotine. Nicotine is an addictive chemical. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. (sighs) Is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is. And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex.